he went through all of these tapes I stopped looking through because they were the same thing over and over again and popped in a tape uh, that said, do not show to the public on the screen and come to find out. Apparently, you know, back when the tape was archived, someone put the wrong label on it. My source at NASA thinks maybe a whistleblower sent it to me intentionally. Oh, wow. And when you pop it in, it says, do not show to the public. And it's it's one shot for an hour, the same shot over and over and over again, allegedly of a little blue earth with black space around it. Because we have the unedited version, you see it's a one foot model of the earth. They're faking being halfway to the moon. All I could see was this light coming in. The Holy Spirit went, it blew into me. I have never been the same since then. That was it. I'm done. I was born again. Welcome to the Weird Christian Podcast. I am your host, Samuel Delgado, and this is episode 59. I interview Bart Sabrell about the moon landings. We talk about evidence showing that it was fate. We talk about his journey discovering that and documenting it. We talk and going from there and talking about how world governments in general have been corrupt and the possibility of NASA still covering up an impending catastrophe. So with no further ado, let's get weird. Welcome to the show. Oh, well, welcome to yourself. <laughs> um, well, thank you for, for coming on. Um, why don't we just start just by, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you came to know Christ. How I came to Christ. Hmm. Boy, that's a long story. Uh, how much time do you say we have? <laughs> well, we got an, we got, an, we got an hour. So, I mean, you can, you know, share as much or as little as you want to. I um, know we're going to talk about kind of your experience in, in your in your book about the, the moon landings. But um, yeah, have every guest share their testimony. So. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Bart Sabrell. My website is sabrell.com. S is in Sam, I, B is in boy, R-E-L, sabrell.com. And uh, I grew up Catholic and I stopped going the very day it became voluntary. What a coincidence. You know, when you're 14 and confirmed the Jewish equivalent of bat mitzvah, you know, I always sense that there is something off spiritually about that religion. And of course, all the lawsuits for those ungodly acts mm. are a good testimony of that not being the best place for a devout Christian to be. Mm -hmm. uh, after that, when I turned 18, I felt like an emancipated slave. Hey, now I can go and do my own thing and be in the world. And that's what I was for about, oh, age 18 to maybe 27 or so. Mm. Then I met uh, a very good evangelical non-denominational church that had broken off from the Church of Christ because they considered the mainline Church of Christ to be um, non-evangelistic, basically. Mm -hmm. And so they went from 30 people to hundreds of thousands with a church planted in every country of the world in only 19 years. Mm -hmm. And so I was part of the layman leadership and was among them the most evangelistic person probably in the group. And on one particular worship service, uh, I brought eight different visitors to church and I was working a 60 hour week job at the time. So I passed them off to various ministries, teen ministry, campus ministry, married ministry. And so when I followed up with the ministry staff and we had like 12 people on staff two weeks later as to how are the visitors coming along in Bible study, I got the same of two answers among the eight. Forgot to call them, forgot, forgot, lost a number, lost a number, forgot, lost a number, forgot. Hmm. 
Mm. That's when I realized the church was not doing what it originally did 15 years earlier. These ministers lived in upper middle class homes. They were taking their kids to soccer practice during business hours. And that's, you know, how they kind of spent their time. And after that, the church became inward focused. So I started my own Bible study in my own building and had about 25 visitors uh, once a week for Bible study. I also fed the people as well. And then somebody gave me a brochure about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments and how, you know, the other nine are still valid, like do not murder, do not steal. So why would one in the middle that begins with remember, especially not be valid? And I did research on that. You can go to SabbathTruth.com and it shows that the first century, second century, third century church kept the seven day of the week Sabbath. And of course, if you open your calendar, you know, you got Sunday all the way to the left and Saturday all the way to the right. People don't yeah. realize Sunday is the first day of the week. So I started keeping the Sabbath. And when I did, it was like a missing ingredient. My Christian walk suddenly transformed. So I encourage people to give it a shot hmm. uh, for one month and see what happens. Okay. And then um, I started going to a Sabbath keeping church. And I thought, well, if I can take the, uh, you know, the ministry tools to grow the church quickly with this other church that keeps the Sabbath and preaches the end times, then we'll really have something. Unfortunately, making that church uh, change their ways from tradition, which they preach against in other churches, but they themselves practice, is a little bit of difficult. So right now I'm considering starting a church called the End Times Church, which will take the best of all the teachings of the churches that I visited that I believe are true and remind people that this is it. You know, Jesus is coming back soon and there's multiple parables about the banquet hall being full of empty seats. So we need to grab people while we can. So that's basically where I'm at. Uh, as you know, from the book Moon Man, which you can get at sabrell.com, I talk about this and, and even my conversion uh, with that first church uh, in the book, how investigating the moon landing fraud initially, I didn't make up my mind one way or the other, but I knew it was certainly possible that the moon missions were fake. And I knew that if I started investigating it, it could be dangerous if, in fact, they faked it. That would be a secret that could put your life at jeopardy for uncovering. So I originally turned down the project. And then another client gave me this um, one-year Bible, and I started reading it, you know, on a calendar year basis. And right, yeah. five years went by, and I had read the Bible five times. Right. I wasn't a Christian yet. However, I did have a conviction about right and wrong judgment to come and realize that if indeed they fake the moon landing, that's more profound than if they had actually gone. And so this historic truth, if true, would need to be told to the world. And I realized I'm going to die anyway. I might as well die for a just cause. And I changed my mind and started producing a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, a documentary and its counterpart cost a million dollars to produce. And we were financed by a board member of an aerospace company who builds rockets for NASA, who knows mm. they faked it. And then, of mm. course, in the production of the film, we uncovered classified footage of them faking part of the scene right in front of your eyes with the CIA on a third track of audio telling them how to do it. And the book also culminates with the second to the last chapter, where we have basically a deathbed confession of the chief of security of the military base where Apollo 11 was filmed, 
who testified on his deathbed that he was there while the fake moon landing was being filmed a year in advance at his base as he stood beside President Johnson while they filmed the thing. He also gave us a list of 15 eyewitnesses who were there at the time, the CIA code name and other details, which come out for the first time in the book Moon Man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so thanks for, for laying that out. Actually, uh, part of what I found most fascinating about the book was um, your investigation and just all the fire you came under as you were investigating. Um, but let's start with um, kind of your your reasoning for looking into the, the moon landing. You said you thought it was perhaps it was uh, faked. And then, of course, you um, became more convinced of that as as you dug deeper. But uh, what was the catalyst that uh, caused you to start this investigation? Well, I was always a big fan of the moon missions. My father gave me uh, pictures when I was four years old of the alleged moon landing, had them on my bedroom wall for a decade, assuming they were real. And I thought it was the greatest thing. And then when I was 14, I saw a gentleman on television who worked for the space program during that time who said it never happened. And I went back to those pictures and surely i realized that yeah you can kind of see where the real earth begins or soil and then the fake backdrop uh takes on after that almost in a straight line going across and then i kind of thought about that for 10 years and uh, 10 years after that uh, when i become a filmmaker at age 24 one of my clients had produced the program i saw the guy worked for nasa on 10 years earlier he put me in touch with them, and that's when he suggested I make a film about it. It just seemed to me that if this event did indeed happen, the faking of the mankind's alleged greatest accomplishment, that there's spiritual significance in it. That's mm -hmm. why the film, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, opens up with a scripture where there is pride and then comes disgrace. Everything mm -hmm. concealed is meant to be revealed. Let us build a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Then we show the Tower of Babel, which was never finished. We show the Titanic and publicity that said the ship that God himself could not sink, never made one voyage. And then we show Tricky Dick Nixon allegedly talking to men on the moon when he knew very well they were not there. Nevertheless, he called the event the greatest event since creation. So you see here the mm -hmm. modern day Tower of Babel is putting a man on the moon. So how ironic the Tower of Babel was never finished. And of course, the moon landing never happened as well. And I could kind of sense there's a spiritual significance to this, to the line about mm -hmm. something that really there was no need to lie about it. Uh, Kennedy said we'd go by the end of the decade. That proved to be impossible. And instead of just owning up to it, they were pridefully uh, un unable to admit that they had bit off more than they could chew. They also used it as an excuse to embezzle what would now be $200 billion. And it just shows that the person who runs the world for the moment is Satan, the father of lies. And how ironic that the greatest accomplishment itself is a lie. And mm -hmm. so this is just kind of represents the fallen nature, not only of mankind, but our government. And when I was continually giving NASA and our government the benefit of the doubt until I knew otherwise. But the more I investigated, the more suspicious uh, the moon landing became until finally I had a videotape that mm. of them faking part of the photography right in front of me. And I just had to admit, you know, they didn't go. And that was a that was a life changing moment. It broke my heart that uh, 
This is the world that we live in where we can't even tell the truth about such a thing. We're that juvenile as a nation, as a world, and as a country that these are our leaders who are totally corrupt and doing many more deceptive things than that. So wow. that, that's unfortunately the world that we live in. And uh, there, it does have significant spiritual significance. In fact, Second Thessalonians, I think it's chapter 2, verse 9, says that the coming of Satan will be displayed in counterfeit miracles. Well, what is this? Putting a man on the moon is a modern-day miracle, and it's a counterfeit miracle. That's, mm. And it's the ultimate counterfeit miracle, isn't it? Wow. Wow. No, yeah, I never really thought about it. Um kind of from from that perspective but that's uh yeah that's really unique i mean certainly this has implications about the times that we're living in um when when this is this is sort of the deception that we see coming from the world leaders uh our world leaders um it's really interesting that uh you were basically you described yourself kind of as a, as, as a fanboy you you marveled at, at the moon landings and you're always mesmerized by it and it sounded like you had two separate individuals who sort of told you um, kind of a, you know, from an insider's uh, perspective, um, kind of warned you that, hey, you know, maybe lightly, gently that that this uh, these landings were faked. Um, now, so you started investigating and you mentioned this footage. It's in your documentary, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon. And... For me, I'd like to hear your perspective. You know, I thought you know, I'd looked into the moon landing uh, prior to to watching your documentary and your book, and uh, I was, you know, pretty convinced there's a, there's a there's a lot out there already as far as documenting this as being a hoax or a fake. Um, but you bring something I feel like unique to the table. Um, one being this footage, uh, and then two being this kind of this deathbed confession that you have in your book. Um, describe how you came across this footage and, and the footage uh, it itself. Well, I was producing through the this financier who built rockets for NASA, this film, who he felt was his patriotic duty to produce, to show that indeed the moon landings were fraudulent. Uh, I wanted NASA's cooperation, so I didn't tell them exactly what I was doing. I told them I was producing an anniversary documentary about the moon landings, which is true. I am producing or was producing a, a film about the moon landings. Right. They assumed that I thought it was uh, true. Remember, yeah. be as shrewd as a snake and as innocent as a dove. So I asked them to send me all the footage from just the first mission, all film, all video, all still pictures, because I thought if they faked the moon landing, they're more likely to have made a mistake the first time they faked it because they had never faked it before. Mm -hmm. And as I started going through these reels of footage, even though I asked specifically for unedited footage, I kept getting the same clips over and over and over again with voiceover and so forth. And there was mm -hmm. actually very little footage. In fact, of, of pictures of people allegedly on the surface of the moon, a still picture during the first mission, there's only like 20 pictures. I know when people go to Paris and the Eiffel Towers behind them, they have like 20, 30, 40 of just that. Yeah. And yet uh, there's very few pictures. In fact, there's not a single still picture of Neil Armstrong on the moon during the first mission. Oh. I even went to the archives and said, show me one. They kept coming in and out, dumbfounded, scratching their heads. There isn't one. Yeah. Now, the excuse is that he's taking the pictures. That's why he's not in them. But I think if there's radiation, micrometeorites, 
might drop the camera, 500 degree temperature difference from light and shadow. You might want to have a backup camera, but the fact is he didn't want his picture taken. You see, that's why it's not any of them. So as I was getting near finishing my film, I wanted to show the countdown in real time from like a minute all the way down, but I couldn't even find that unedited that, you know, would jump ahead. So I finally went through all of these tapes. I stopped looking through because they were the same thing over and over again and popped in a tape uh, that said, do not show to the public on the screen and come to find out. Apparently, you know, back when the tape was archived, someone put the wrong label on it. My source at NASA thinks maybe a whistleblower sent it to me intentionally. And when you pop it in, it says, do not show to the public. And it's, it's one shot for an hour, the same shot over and over and over again, allegedly of a little blue earth with black space around it. Because we have the unedited version, you see it's a one foot model of the earth. They're faking being halfway to the moon. Now, if they're faking being halfway to the moon, it means they can't go halfway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd be seeing real footage, right? So that means they can't leave Earth orbit. And what a surprise, 50 years later, they still cannot leave Earth orbit. I mean, it's so easy to prove just by deductive reasoning that the moon missions are fake because today with 21st century technology, the farthest that NASA can send astronauts from the Earth is 250 miles. So just pick a city that's 250 miles from you and make it vertical. And that's as far as they can send an astronaut. That's about where the space station is. Mm -hmm. So what they're claiming is that 50 years ago with five decades older technology, when all of NASA together had one millionth of computing power of a cell phone, they sent astronauts 1,000 times farther back then than they can today. So that doesn't make any sense. Technology does not go backwards. Yeah. I mean, when Lindbergh flew across the Atlantic in 1927, 10 years later, there were thousands of aircraft, 100 times more complicated, flying across the Atlantic. And when they blew up the atomic bomb, 10 years later, atomic bombs were 1,000 times more powerful. So if they could go to the moon on the first attempt with one millionth the computing power of a cell phone, they would have been on Mars 10 years later, and we'd be in another solar system by now. And there'd be yeah. bases all over the moon. So mm-hmm. how can they have 1,000 times greater capability 50 years ago than they do today. I mean, it's just illogical. And you just have to look at one picture, you know, that they claim was taken on sunlight on the moon and go outside and stand beside your friend in sunlight. And you'll see that your shadows, no matter which way they're pointing, they're always parallel and never intersect. But they have pictures from objects five feet apart where the shadows intersect at 90 degrees, which is impossible. I'm a filmmaker. My job is to make fake scenes look real. And that's electrical light. The electrical light is so close that it's behind this astronaut, so the shadow goes straight, but it's at an angle over here, therefore it goes in a completely different direction. That proves, you only need one picture to prove yeah. the moon landings are fake, plus logic. If it weren't people's you know, religious attachment to the sacred cow of how dare you you know, say they faked it, well, they did fake it. Our government is corrupt. And uh, largely the reason why people don't see that really, if you get down to it, is a lot of people have stopped believing in God. And without God, you have no concept of good versus evil, truth versus lies, light versus darkness. And you just assume that all the political leaders are honest people who are looking out for you. And that is just the opposite of the truth. They killed their own president, Robert Kennedy Jr. And I think he has access to more information than we do. 
says with absolute certainty, the CIA killed President John Kennedy. So the organization that was put to the task to protect him were the ones who assassinated him. You see, you have 3000 architects and engineers who risk their lifelong reputation by saying something so crazy as it's structurally impossible for a pinhole airplane to bring down a steel frame skyscraper. It'd be like throwing a pencil through a screen door. The screen door would not collapse. And yet, you know, no one does anything about it. You have William Benny who worked for the NSA CIA for 30 years. And he says they spy on Supreme Court justices' phone calls to blackmail them. A public statement, no one contradicts it. And there's not a single investigation because the system is so corrupt. And these are the people who are running the world, faking moon landings, killing their own president, doing 9-11. And of course, the current event that's been going on for two years, they're responsible for that as well. Yeah, for me, uh, I think 9-11 was the first domino to fall and I sort of that opened my eyes to sort of realize, um, you know, how, how deep the, the corruption is uh, within our world government and or the governments of the world um, in America specifically. But um, I think, you know, probably at some point after that, I, I looked into the moon landing and I was convinced off of looking at the at the photos and the shadows. And one thing that stood out to me was when you when you just play it at, at twice speed um and this actually uh i think it became more clear to me years later when i started actually teaching science to fifth graders and we covered solar system uh, we talk about gravity being six times less on the moon and if you just double the speed of those astronauts they're really just kind of like hopping um as you would on earth um, whereas if you're at six times less amount of gravity, the height that you could reach just by, by jumping, um, would be you know, six times more. So it, yeah, it'd be extraordinary. And, yeah. uh, they didn't know how to do that in the first mission. So they just used slow motion and actually it looks very convincing yeah. until you double the speed and they're getting off the ground, like two inches. And when you double the speed, it's like, Oh, that it's normal speed now, you know, and but it's so simple and, and it's really people's religious attachment to the event that prevents them from seeing yeah. the horrific reality that mankind's alleged greatest accomplishment was indeed falsified. That's just the way that it is. And as you know, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil said to him, if you bow down to Satan, that he would give Jesus all the kingdoms of the earth because they belong to Satan and Satan can give them to anyone that he wants. So you think Satan's going to give the leadership of the kingdoms of the world to honest people or to dishonest people. That's why dishonest people run the world and anyone trying to make their way up, whether it be Ron Paul or Bernie Sanders, they shot both of them down. So that should, you know, teach you that both parties are corrupt. They're trying to divide and conquer, you know, Mm -hmm. rather than go after them at the top that only evil people arise to the top because when an honest person tries, sees all the cesspool and that they will, you know, blackmail them or kill them. If they get too close, they just back off, take care of their families instead. And that just leaves the most corrupt people at the very top. So, and then they appoint their corrupt bedfellows to every single department, which those presidential appointments, you know, shouldn't even be allowed. The justice department, FBI, EPA, CDC, all those should be elected from within because I know many people in those departments who found corruption. And when they pointed it out, they said, you, you know, you continue down this road, you're going to be fired. Yeah. 
So the FBI director can tell somebody who's investigating a high ranking politician, don't investigate that. And if you do, I told you not to do that, you're fired. So that's mm-hmm. the way, unfortunately, that it works. The good news is Christ will come back and establish earth the way it should have been, perfect. And as Nahum says, uh, sin will not rise up a second time. So mm-hmm. we just got to hold in a little bit longer. And Jesus says to most believers, he says, the love of most will grow cold. So mm-hmm. believers have to hold to the very end. This yeah. unsaved, always saved isn't true. Hebrews 10 tells you that, that if you deliberately go on sinning, there's no sacrifice left. So believers have to stay faithful to the end in order to make it. So I think the main thing is to just stay faithful to yourself, keep repenting daily of character flaws, and bring people along, bring them to church, bring them to Bible study, help them renounce their sin, and then God's grace will take care of everything else. Hmm. Yeah, that's. I'm really glad you mentioned that because I think it's easy to just bury your head in the sand. And, and part of why people don't want to admit this to themselves is it should be, it's become sort of a religion within itself. Um, it's it's a really hard truth, hard pill to swallow. And, swallow. and you know, really, America, historically, we've really tried to do a very good job of marrying the concept of America to religion and Christianity as if they're one and the same. You know, we hear that, that we're, we're a Christian nation, formed on Christian principles, our forefathers themselves were Christians. And so um, really patriotism has become really very core to a lot of Christians and a lot of churches and believers. And so when we speak out against America and the government, it, it seems like it's it's, it's not Christian. That's not a Christian thing to do. Well, actually, Christ said a soldier of Christ does not get involved in civilian affairs and mm-hmm. politics are civilian affairs. And then Revelation 13 says that there are two beasts. The first, most people except Catholics acknowledge that as the Church of Rome. But then there's a second beast that gives authority to the first. And that's basically the bouncer for the Vatican, which is the United States of America. You know, you can uh, look that up for yourself. There's a website called Amazing Facts and a Bible study called the USA of Prophecy. So actually, the United States is spoken against in the Bible. Uh, It may have at one time, you know, been honorable, just like at one time, the first century, third century church were honorable. And we know what happened to them. And like any other organization, the FBI, the CDC, the church I used to belong to at one time had noble intentions and then just became lukewarm and worldly. So that's uh, just one of those things that happens. That's why Paul said, or I'm sorry, Peter said in the book of Acts chapter two, save yourself from this corrupt generation, right? Because all those people were devout Jews and they were in the wrong religion. Mm, And, you know, the book of Acts goes on to say many rabbis, rabbis were converted So we know that God says he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I thought, you know, if I were writing the dictionary, what is pride? I would simply put pride as the unwillingness to be wrong. And humility is the willingness to be wrong. And you and I discovered the 9-11 truth, the moon truth, and other truths because we're simply willing to be wrong. We're will show me. 
you, you know, teach me, you know, if, if Tuesday's the Sabbath, show me, you know what I mean? And yeah. if I need to repent of something, show me. And so we're willing to be wrong. And the, the good thing is uh, when you're wrong, you're learning something new. When, when, you're, when you're right all the time, there's nothing, nothing to learn, sure. right? Yeah, so, and Obadiah says that pride prevents you from perceiving the truth. That's mm. a pretty dangerous thing. Yeah. Yeah. So hmm, I'll put um, uh, just going back to I can I started this question way back about the, the footage that, that's in your documentary. I'll put links to that for the listener. Um, but uh, I'll just say that was so, so profound. Um, and I, not the details of it are, are partially lost. But, I you know, just to let the listener know, you see the astronauts looking at Earth right through the window uh in inside the the ship yeah yeah and, and then, so the the good thing is is if you go to sabrell.com not only can you get the book that reveals all sorts of never before published information the book is interactive basically i write a chapter i say stop now go to video link number one all of these are in the top left of sabrell.com so there's 15 video links including mm -hmm. for a funny thing happened on the way to the moon astronauts gone wild and even a better analyzation of the window shot just like a 17 minute video yeah. of that we showed dan rather you know describing because they wouldn't broadcast it as a brutal film where he says the exact opposite of the truth and so ashamed he looks down when he says you know the fatal last shot came from behind when it was clear that it came from the front he, mm. you know reverses the direction that kennedy said violently goes he says it went violently forward you know, on the last shot, and obviously goes violently back, indicating yeah. the shots from that. And so they lie through their teeth in 1963. So, I mean, John McNamara said the whole reason that they started the Vietnam War, which led to the death of a million people, their, you know, Pearl Harbor event, they just made that up. It never happened. They lied. And so Congress believed the lie and they voted to enter the Vietnam War without cause because the CIA completely lied to them what the reason was. And they lied about the moon landing. They lie about 9-11. They lie about the event that's been going on for the last two years. And that's why our country is run by Satan, the father of lies, and mm -hmm. why he said to Jesus, he controls the nations of the earth until, of course, Christ comes back and puts him in his place. Sure. Yeah, I think people um, have kind of been waking up uh, with COVID and they've become like less trusting of, of government. Um, so they may be more open to something um, of this nature. But, you know, I think you might have mentioned it earlier. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they're immediately going to ask, why would the government do something like this? Um, you know, what's your answer to that? Well, basically, the Soviets were much more advanced. They had launched the first satellite. The first animal, the first man, the first woman, the first of two spacecraft simultaneously, the first spacewalk. They spent five times the amount of hours in space than we did. And when our first astronaut went up after they completely orbited the Earth, ours only went up from the East Coast to the West Coast and splashed back down. And then Kennedy, without consulting any scientists, said, hey, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade, which is about eight years away. And when that proved to be a scientific impossibility, they just faked it They're like a bluff in poker. They refused to admit that they had bitten off more than they could chew. Plus, it diverted a tremendous amount of money for projects of the CIA that Congress had not yet approved. 
And it was very easy to fake. I mean, the Kennedy was killed in front of 200 eyewitnesses and they still got away with it. This is a TV picture completely controlled by the government. There's no independent press coverage. I mean, they go up and who knows where they go. And then they destroyed the original telemetry, which proves where they actually were. They deliberately destroyed that. They deliberately destroyed the original videotapes. They destroyed the schematics, the blueprints, the diagrams of the rocket, the batteries, the lunar module, all of which could later be proven scientifically that it couldn't do the claims that they made, like the lunar module sitting in 500 degree heat for three days, power and air conditioning down to 72 degrees on a bunch of car batteries. You mean that that could be proven. Von Braun. Mm. And a publication we uncovered said in order to reach the moon nonstop in one rocket, it would have to weigh 800,000 tons. The Saturn V weighed only 2,500 tons in comparison, tiny difference of 30,000 percent. And so that's why they destroyed all the documentation. Now, Mm -hmm. if you really went to the moon, really spent $200 billion to do it, the last thing in the world what you would do would be destroy the equipment. I mean, after all, the B-52 bomber is 70 years old and there's still 200 of them in service. So why would they destroy such precious equipment? If they really went, they would never do it. But if there was a cover up, that's exactly what they would do. So Mm -hmm. the fact that they destroyed all of that is actually proof of the fraud. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, just to go back to that footage, because that was one of those things that just absolutely blew my mind at the, uh, you know, you can hear NASA giving directions of, of when to reply um, back to them in the footage. So it's clearly like it's just bizarre to hear that, that they're saying, OK, go ahead and answer now. Um, like it's a it's a production. And then at the end, you can see um, they take a covering off one of the windows and just all this light comes beaming through. <laughs> they're supposed to be in space. Um, so it's a. It's a it's a smoking gun. I mean, what you, what you came across there um, is is just absolutely um, just gut wrenching uh, evidence uh, against uh, against the actual moon landings. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's what convinced me when I saw that. I no longer w- wondered. I'm yeah. like, oh, well, they didn't go. You know what I mean? And that was an alarming thing to finally realize and to have proof of it in your house. Yeah, and then so the second documentary, you um, you confront different astronauts, and you actually show that footage to Buzz and you uh, Buzz Aldrin, the, the the second man to walk on the moon, and um, you had a couple encounters with Buzz Aldrin. Um, you show in that documentary, um, but uh, maybe I'm gonna have you comment on that real real quick. Um, but I do want to chronicle, um, you know. How, how you were essentially d- detained and, and followed as you were producing this, uh, this documentary. Well, after the first film was produced, I just had the idea, I guess, from courtroom dramas on TV. Why don't we just ask them to swear in a Bible, whether they walked on the moon or not? So we tracked down about eight of the Apollo astronauts and asked them to do so. And uh, actually, there was one segment prior to that, at the beginning of the film of Astronauts Gone Wild, where... We got an interview with Buzz Aldrin. I put a TV monitor next to him uh, and showed him the footage, which he actually filmed himself of the fake model of the Earth. He you know, basically said, oh, and this makes you a real famous person for having discovered this, which is 
an admission that I'm right. How could I become famous if it's meaningless? Right. Sure. And then he said, I was just a passenger. Well, I thought he was the lunar module pilot. You see, he was just orbiting the Earth for eight days. So that's why he said he was a passenger. And then he said, well, talk to the administrator of NASA. It's their fault, you know. And then when he realized he had basically made two admissions that the moon landings were fake, then he threatened to have, you know, sue me if I showed those remarks to anybody. All that's in the tape. It was later I came up with the idea of asking them to swear in a Bible that that incident happened. And in one incident, uh, the guy you know, when I showed him the fake footage, became beat red and so angry, he threatened to shoot me and literally kicked me, assaulted me. And uh, in the commotion, we left the camera recording in the back of the rental car and left a live wireless microphone on him in his house with the door closed, recording his conversation with the son after we left. And they're talking about calling the CIA to have me assassinated. Now, if they really went to the moon, and I'm some silly person, who thinks otherwise? Why would they have to call the CIA to have me killed if they really went to the moon? And I think otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. That proves they didn't go. And then what the heck is an Apollo astronaut having an association with the CIA anyway? They're supposed to be an independent civilian organization, but the guy has the CIA right there in his Rolodex that he can call him up and have people killed who are proving his fraud. You know, that's all recorded and, and displayed in the film Astronauts Gone Wild as well. So that's just the way that it is. And then um, we show in these other 15 clips various things of NASA admitting that the technology to leave Earth orbit has yet to be invented. They actually say that on camera. We have space shuttle astronauts saying we hope to someday go to the moon. And then China, the most industrialized nation on Earth, has more factories and rocket capability than the United States does. They say it's going to take 15 years of development with five decades better technology to reach the moon when Kennedy did it in eight years with five decades older technology. And then you have Elon Musk wanting to land a rocket vertically with, you know, supercomputers on six different rockets. And he couldn't do it five times in a row. It blew up. So how could they land vertically five decades ago with one million the computing power of a cell phone? That doesn't make any sense either. So this is one of those you know tricky situations the government found themselves in. Nixon, Johnson, which you know one was from each party, Johnson Democrat, Nixon Republican, and they both faked the moon landing together. Hello, you know that means that's meaningless political parties. And now each administration is stuck with this lie that they have to keep maintaining, which basically makes them uh, an accomplice in it. Otherwise, they would just come forward and tell the truth, which they're afraid to do, which makes each president since then an accomplice. Hmm. Yeah, it's wild. And, uh, you know, a a threat uh, of, you know, having you killed by the CAA may seem um, fantastical, but you actually had... um, you chronicled in, in your book um, actual a legitimate threat. Uh, talk about talk about that. Well, this is one of the things that I talk about in my book that I never talked about publicly or published before. Not only a deathbed confession from a guy who was there while they filmed the fake Apollo 11 at a name that you'll have to buy the book to get in the at a military base. He was the chief of security at that base. Uh, I also go into homicides that I was asked not to publish until about 20 years went by uh, of basically the crew of Apollo one, which would have been the first crew to walk on the moon, that their own dead relatives 
not my opinion, their opinion, says that they were murdered by the CIA for being whistleblowers on the program. And then I go into, you know, my kind of X-Files encounters of the week that I found that footage mm-hmm. that proves they didn't go to the moon, how I was followed from church. I was eventually abducted, drugged. I escaped. And then through a friend, I thought, hey, I got him. I'm going to pee into a cup and prove that I was drugged by true serum or some exotic drug that only the government would have access to. When he put it in a lab in his name, calls me back a few days later and says uh, there was a problem with the lab. And I'm like, yeah, what problem? He says, well, they had a break in over the weekend. I said, yeah. And he says, well, strange thing. The only thing stolen was your urine sample. <laughs> you know, but somehow the CAA found out about it, even though I was trying to, you know, hide, hide the fact. Uh, and they went in there literally to remove a urine sample that had trace amounts of some drug that they gave me in their true serum or whatever. So these are some pretty strange things that I go into great detail about. And God, you know, protected me. And in fact, there's a proverb, I'm paraphrasing, it says that when a curse is, you know, issued to someone who doesn't deserve it, it boomerangs and falls back on the person. And that happened to uh, the astronaut's son, because he's the one who suggested to his father that they call the CIA to have me assassinated. And then he died of cancer a few years later at the age of 26. And that's very sad that that happened. But God's word is God's words, and it's irrevocable. So, Mm. Yeah, man. Um, That that was just really wild when I read in the book about everything that you went through. And honestly, I, I started to question myself. I was like, man, uh, you know, if I interview this guy, then, you know, they're not like, am I put myself out there at risk? Um, but you know, if I was in your shoes, I probably would have just shut the whole thing down as far as uh, the lengths they went to um, to detain you and the street. I mean, it was just insane. It's like something out of a movie reading your book, what you had to go through. Um, is really unbelievable. But in, in, in a sense, I, I also feel like that's some of the biggest proof that this thing's a hoax as, as well. Is you're, you're not just just taking clips and things and putting together some documentary and publishing to YouTube. You know, you haven't you had an experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess you, you mentioned that that there was basically like almost like a good faction and, and bad faction within the CIA um, and that you had found protection is that is that kind of what kept you going and 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 kept you from not just falling back uh cowering in in fear well being close to god helps out a lot uh at that time these adventures were happening i was probably closer to god than i've ever been in my life uh repenting of every sin that i could possibly repent of reading my bible every day sharing my faith pretty much every day with somebody and I was very close to God. God gave me angelic, divine, and even physical protection. Uh, I go into an encounter I had with somebody, as best as I could tell, they were with the military intelligence who knew exactly what was going on, who basically told me, you know, that they, they were looking after me and not to ask too many questions. And apparent, I interpret that to mean there's basically a civil war of good versus evil going on under the table in our government. For how long, I don't know, since the end of the Civil War, since they killed Kennedy, I don't know. But there's at least Mm. two factions in the government fighting each other, and it's kind of by mutual agreement. They just don't publicize it in the media for people not to worry about it. But that's uh, been the case. You know, when a person in the military or law enforcement takes an oath, 
they say, to protect the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm -hmm. Who faked the moon landing? Did the Russians fake the moon landing? No, American traders did. Who killed Kennedy? Did Cubans do it? No, American traders did it. Who did 9-11? American traders. Who's doing the little... uh, little lie that's been going on for two years, American traders. See, they always try to make the boogeyman in Libya or Russia or Iraq or Iran or wherever because they're using this direction to take it away from themselves. The CIA runs this country. The CIA killed Kennedy. The CIA and other organizations like that did 9-11, did the current event, faked the moon landing, and they're the wicked people who are running this country. And that's just the way that it is. Fortunately, there are good guys who are keeping up with them, protecting people, whistleblowers like me. And I'm sure there's divine angelic protection as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The good thing for me is, you know, people like this generally don't go after the person who releases the information. They go after the person who gives the information to a reporter. They accept that I'm just doing my job, but the person who leaks it to me, that's the one they go after. So, for example, the person who told me that they were there when the moon landing was filmed, uh, they threatened them with, you know, murder. They threatened their family. And then just when I was confirming these events with their surviving family member, they threatened them. If they ever talked to me again, their house was broken into all of their documentation about their relatives, you know, assignment at that particular military base was confiscated and they were visited by two people and told if they ever spoke to me again, they would kill them and their family. And this was less than two years ago. So I had to call the white house press secretary, a Senator on the intelligence committee and the FBI to get protection for my whistleblower. Who's the surviving member of the family who, who one member was there when they filmed Apollo 11 at his military base in 1968. Hmm. So, um, you know, there are good guys in the government and likely they outnumber. The problem is people are giving in to fear. They're giving in to bullies. And uh, that's just going to create stronger bullies. And all you have to do is stand up to them. They're outnumbered. So (laughs) where are you people? Where are you Christians? Where are you patriots in the government? You got to take a stand. Otherwise, these people are going to ruin our country and ruin the world if we don't stand up to them. You're going to die anyway, so you might as well die for a just cause. That's what I had to decide. And um, so that's why I ended up making the film after turning it down five years earlier. Yeah, no, that's encouraging. Yeah, clearly you're you're willing to, you know, something that you obviously believe in and and certainly something, um, you know, you're it shows for me it shows faith that you know clearly you you're you're putting your trust in, in god and 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 just letting it be right um i have a mm-hmm. couple more questions i want to ask uh, i don't know if this was in the book or in an interview that i heard you say that um off camera neil armstrong uh sort of made a confession to you about how he had planned uh, to come forward at some point but prior to his death well somebody has um indicated that to me mm-hmm. uh more than one of them off the record uh, when I, you know, was setting up interviews with astronauts gone wild, made it very clear to me that yes, I'm right. And good luck, you know, trying to prove it because, uh, you're, it's an uphill battle. You know, if there was just one person who claimed they walked on the moon, maybe they would have confessed by now, but they're basically, 
sure. ruining everyone else's party. If one mm-hmm. comes forward and says they were fake, it means they're really pointing the finger at everybody else. And I guess they're afraid to do that. Yeah. Maybe they're afraid of making the country look like a laughing stock in front of the world, which, you know, it deserves to be because uh, we did fake the moon landing and we are corrupt. And the sooner we face those facts, the better. Otherwise, it's going to be painting over mold or refusing to cut off a gangrene limb. The whole body is going to die if we don't face the unpleasant facts. Hmm. Wow. Uh, Okay, so this this will be the last question that I have for you. Uh, I heard you talk about um, another secret that NASA is keeping right now. And um, I'm curious... Um, I can't remember if, if you were referring to like a planet X or if this was uh, an asteroid that was being covered up that was headed towards Earth. Um, so I'm going to have you maybe address that and then I might have a follow up to it. Yeah, well, we know that Jesus said in the last days there will be signs in the heavens and that there will be stars falling like ripe figs. I think that's a meteor storm. And there are two times in the book of Revelation, it says that a huge mountain is falling from the sky and thrown into the sea. I think those are meteor strikes. Uh, Many people, as you know, from Joel, which is quoted in the book of Acts, will have visions in the last days. I've had them recently, too. And I know of other people, and both are foretelling to events like these things happening. This last event that's been going on for two years and the you could say the uh, squirrely, not fully truthful event that's going on. I started thinking, well, what's the reason behind it? You can, you know, realize that they're maybe trying to encourage people to go down a particular path that may have detrimental results for whatever reason. It also seems really that the big picture reason is a psychological training for the public to submit during national emergencies. And if some sort of cosmic event is coming, then they need to train people, you know, to submit for that event. Now, Eisenhower, the day he resigned, kind of warned people that the government was becoming corrupt and to look out. Uh, Janet Napolitano, the day she resigned, she was Homeland Security Director. She said that a natural disaster was on its way, the likes of which the United States had never before seen. So there's actually three clues there. Whatever's coming is a natural disaster. It's never happened in the history of America. And it's a natural disaster that you could know about years in advance. So there's only one that fits all those categories, and that's a comet, asteroid, or rogue planet. It's natural. It's never happened in America before. And it's the only natural disaster that you could calculate through mathematical precision of the triangulation of objects in space to know exactly when it's going to come in the future, even years or decades in advance. So I think a comet, asteroid or rogue planet is heading toward Earth. And this current event could be to get ready for that. If there's going to be fewer people in the future than there are now because of the little thing they're trying to trick people into doing, uh, then perhaps they, the people who run the world, know that a cosmic event like that would basically kill billions of people in a short amount of time. And maybe this little event that they staged to trick people into going down a certain path is so that they can lower the number of people on the earth in a gradual way leading up to that event 
so that it will be, in their opinion, less shocking on society. Because after all, they want to travel and have hotels and airplanes and so forth. So my best conclusion is that that's what they're attempting to do Mm -hmm. to uh, basically reduce the number of people on the earth in a a more gradual way than this impact from outer space would do all at once so that it will be less of a shock. And, you know, we know from the book of Revelation that these events are coming and apparently Janet Napolitano knows too. She says it's a natural disaster that's never happened in America. And she warned us years in advance that has to be something from outer space. So that's what we have to look forward to. Yeah, wow. So I know Tom Horn has actually written a book on this. He's had a, he had a vision um, and uh, you know he's correlated the vision that he had of an asteroid with uh, what NASA has deemed Apophis, which is according to their claim, which actually changed, is supposed to pass by Earth in 2029. And then I think it's like on a seven-year orbit to, to pass again. Um, so I'll invite you to kind of share um, your, your vision that you said you had and uh, maybe comment on whether or not you think that this Apophis has a, you know, is the object that you're referring to. Yeah, I mean, I had... Um... Uh, a friend who uh, said that he was with his grandmother as she was dying and uh, she collected uh, pigeons, I think. And uh, she, you know, had pigeon statues and pigeon pets and all this stuff. And on her deathbed, she saw, you know, pigeons everywhere. I had another friend who was into the Beatles and I was with him when he was dying and he started hearing a Beatles song in my life. They were happy events, sad events, and in my life, I love them all. So my most famous film, my language is opens up with scripture, white on black letters, you know, where there is pride, then comes disgrace. So after I had heart surgery recently, and uh, I couldn't sleep for like a full day and a half afterwards, the split second I fell asleep, I saw these white letters in front of me, a scripture, Luke 21, 11. It's pretty specific. So I looked it up. It's Jesus answering the question, uh, what will be the signs of the end of the age? He says there will be great signs in the heavens, disease epidemics, food shortages, and uh, an increase in earthquakes. And then about um, two months ago, I had a dream of a scripture. Now, the first one, I think God is telling me basically the end times have begun. No more one dream. A couple of months ago, I had a dream of a license plate that had on the front of it, uh, Mark 13, 13 through 14. That's pretty specific. Hmm. And that's basically another scripture about the end times. And the part that stood out was the part flee to the mountains. Like now is the time to get ready for it. Tom Horn, a little more than a year ago, had a dream where he saw a mountain fall from the sky, hit the ocean off the coast of San Diego. And it caused a tidal wave that went into the country in the Southwest about 100 or 200 miles inland. He was even told the name of the rock, Apophis. He had a friend at the Pentagon. He says, you know, what do you know about something called Apophis? They said, well, that's a near-Earth asteroid. It's supposed to make a, you know, a close pass on April 13th, 2029. Uh, when they first discovered the thing about five years ago, they said it had a 2% chance of hitting on that day. That's pretty high there, considering the thing is 1,500 feet across, which is 40 times bigger than the one that exploded over Russia recently. 
a few days later, they recanted and said, no, no, it's just a one in 150 thousandths of 1% chance. Uh, he asked, Tom Horn did, his friends in the Pentagon, do they know for certain, you know, whether it's going to hit or not? They said, no, they don't. It's just a guess. They admit it's going to dip below the communication satellites orbiting the Earth. And Tom said, it is going to hit the Earth. God told me so. And that every vision that he has had uh, has come true. So I think it'd probably be a good idea to get out of the country before then and possibly well before then. Uh, recently, I heard about a video and the day that I heard about it or the next day, someone even sent me a link to it. And I think the guy's name is Ray, last name Dalio. He's a famous uh, economic person. He forecasts economic trends and so forth. And he basically said uh, it's just part of American culture behavior that nations rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall, basically because they become rich in order to maintain that they have to print money. And, and because of that, they have a bubble. And because of that, they crash and are no longer the world leader. One thing he didn't mention, uh, I discovered as I was studying that video recently, is that in all these instances throughout history, you know, and he did like three, you know, major civilizations in the past, the peak of them economically and not the decline, but the beginning of the sharp decline from the peak to the beginning of the sharp decline in all three instances of the examples he mentioned is exactly 42 years to the best of me being able to zoom in on a still frame of a video. Mm -hmm. So the peak of America economically is approximately the fall of 1980. So 42 years from then is September 25th of this year. Hmm. So what, what's going to happen then? You know, uh, I believe that this current event, uh, this is kind of the eye of the storm of that event that's been going on for two years. It's giving the people who run the world an opportunity to kind of rearrange their pieces before the next little thing that they stage, which will be another national emergency. It'll probably be a cyber attack. They're having an exercise like they did before 9-11, before the you know current event. And so the, basically they, they're, they're, they're annoyed by independent media on the Internet. So they basically, whatever event's coming, they want to only have one opinion available, their opinion, which of course will be a lie. And the only way to do that is to basically bring down the internet so that people have to turn on, you know, the antenna and watch the evening news, which we know is 100% propaganda line CIA run. So look for that to happen. Look for an economic collapse, perhaps as early as September of this year. And then there have been population forecasts from Diego. And they show they're, they're a contractor for the military, like the Rand Corporation. The Eagle is run by a, you know, Rothschild, you know, family member or friend of family member, you know, economic forum, CFR family member. And they predict the population for 2025. And they've had three different predictions, but anywhere between 54 and 99 million people, which is a reduction of about, you know, anywhere between 65 and 85 percent. So what's going to happen between now and then? I would recommend, you know, bailing on the sinking ship known as the United States of America personally, but mm. probably be the smartest thing to do. And you can get their list and other countries that are going up in population by 2025. Maybe one of those is a better country to, to live in. We know we're in the last days. I've been warned of it. Other people have been warned of it. And Tom Horn even says this one particular event is on his way. 
probably other terrible things are going to happen before then. And a lot of them will be staged by the CIA, who's, you know, most uh, unusual yet successful tactic is a self-inflicted wound. That's what killing Kennedy was, self-inflicted wound. That's what 9-11 was, self-inflicted wound. That's what the current event for the last two years was, self-inflicted wound. I mean, I'm a foodie. I, I like to eat out every now and then. And so many restaurants that have been around for so long, yeah. they are gone. They ruined the, the livelihood of so many people. They just don't care, you know, and the former VP of PFIZER, who agrees that the past two years has been made up and the intention is to coerce people into doing a particular thing. He says, look, when a mass murderer decides to kill 3000 people, like on 9-11, what is it for them to add another zero or zero or zero to that number? They've already crossed that line. And we know that the people who run the world are intentionally or otherwise Luciferian by their lack and void of God in their hearts, which only allows demonic thoughts and inspiration to come in, whether they're intentionally worshiping Lucifer or not. And he is a killer and a thief and a liar. So and he's after the sons of Adam and that's us. So get ready. Repent now while you can. That's the thing to do and stay repentant to the very end, because yeah. without getting eternal life, your life is meaningless and pointless. You know, the people who are doing all these shenanigans, as far as I can tell, they will win until divine intervention. They will have gained the world and lost their soul. So we need to be investing everything for the next life. And if you want to survive the, you know, the last two minute of the game here, then, you know, probably stock up on a few things and move to an area away from cities and probably in a country that shows a population growth on the Diego report. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've not, not heard of that uh, Diego report. Do you know what they based those uh, those numbers off of? It's really amazing. I actually found the original PDF and I downloaded it. They did a report in 2015, 2016, and 2017 that's available. And each time they were projecting the year 2025. You'd think if they were projecting the year 2025 and 2015, and they projected the populations of the world in 2016, it would be for 2026 and 2017 sure. for 2027. But some event is happening on or before 2025 that that's really important to them. And originally they had down the population of the United States at that time at 54 million or at 330 million. So what's going to happen between now and then? You know, Fossey, he, Illuminati member, said, I think it was uh, January 12th, 2017, Trump was uh, elected but not sworn in, that during Trump's first term, there will be, not could be, not might be, a surprise outbreak, referring to a pandemic. So these people, they make these events happen because I don't think they can foretell the future. The Bible says only God knows that or divine inspiration. And I don't think he's, I think, the, you know, Joel is talking about believers will have visions of the future in the last days, not non-believers. So that means they're making these events happen. So they're warning us, you could say, uh, that this these are their projections for the United States population in 2025, and they're not very favorable. Something's going on. Perhaps these uh, medicines they're tricking people into taking for an illness they don't have. Maybe they're a time delay fuse, you know takes off the elderly handicap or something like that first 
and so forth and so on. After all, they are phase one, right? Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know, the elderly, disabled, obese, diabetic, you get, you know, this, this surprise, this present first. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so what does that mean? That should tell you something right there. I mean, why would a guy who admits he wants to lower the population by 93% create a, a medicine that's going to save the lives of hundreds of millions of people. Well, it's, that's a little contradictory, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm trying to be careful what I say and how I say it, but I think so far so good for yeah. a YouTube yeah. upload. Yeah. But sure. uh, that's uh, one thing to, to do, mainly just read your Bible every day, repent of your sin. A lot of people are calling themselves Christians and doing some unchristian things that they know they shouldn't be doing. So we need to stop that now while we still have the opportunity before we'll be judged. You know, in Ezekiel, it says um, two things, a warning and an encouragement. It says, you know, if a righteous man is righteous his whole life, and at the very end turns to wickedness, all of his righteousness will be forgotten and only his wickedness will be remembered on judgment day. The other part that's good is a man can be wicked his whole life and at the very end turn to God and all of his wickedness. So we have to be faithful at the end. And we might as well start practicing now, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for anyone listening, you know, I think, like I said earlier, 2020, I think probably woke a lot of people up. And hopefully it's drawn you closer to the Lord, um, maybe expose some of these truths. And I think it's important to to look to what we can control um, and not fall and fear and anxiety to things that we don't have control over. We all have a calling on our lives as, as Christians. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been, um, it's been funny, this podcast, you know, I've, I've done that for myself, stepping forward, even just doing some of these episodes and talking about some things that, um, you know, are uncomfortable and, you know, certainly could, uh, you know, I guess, paint myself in a, in a weird light, I guess, but, you know, that's just, I guess, I guess it's, it's time to, to just let, let truth be truth and, 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 and not, uh, you know, the church can't, can't be effective if we're, you know, hiding our light under a bushel, you know, we, we, we it's that's time right. To... Yeah. And in fact, uh, you know, it's, it's really, uh, I was thinking about your name, the weird Christian podcast. Really, if you're a true Christian, you're automatically weird. It says if you were of the world, they would love you. The reason the world rejects you is that you belong to God. So, And a godly man who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If a preacher or a church isn't being persecuted, then they must be of the world. And therefore, any true Christian is automatically weird because, you know, the world doesn't like you. They like it. When you do wicked, sinful things, then you're normal. But you take a stand for righteousness, don't have sex until you're married, don't do drugs, right? Then suddenly you're weird in the world's eyes. So all Christians really are weird if you're a true Christian. Amen. Yeah, I agree. Um, Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, This is uh, giving us a a lot to chew on. um, And, uh, you know, I I really appreciate it. so you've already like you've already shared kind of your website and things like that, and I'll put links in, in the in the show notes for that. Um, I'll invite you to kind of give any closing thoughts and close this out in prayer. Well, just go to Sabrell S is in Sam I B is in boy R E L Sabrell dot com. You can get a copy of Moon Man, and I go into my t- Christian testimony, my wacky CIA adventures, and 
why, unfortunately, the moon landings were indeed falsified and why this is a significant spiritual message in this falsification. So thank you, Samuel, for having me on the show. Let's just say a prayer that all those listening to my voice uh, get close to God, draw close to God. If any of them doubt, if there's even a God for them to at least to consider that. The Bible says that we become converted by hearing the word. So just go to a church, get in on a Bible study of true believers who aren't hypocrites. I think you can recognize one when you see one and have them read the Bible with you. I discovered, Lord, that it's very simple, straightforward, and that the words are true. Help us all uh, want to get into heaven more than anything else, that Christ's grace is how we get there, and we qualify for it by letting go of our sin, Lord. So help everyone who isn't a Christian become one, and those who are stay faithful to the very end, and let us bring in people, Lord, with us. Let us seek and save the lost to show that we're doing the work of our Master Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to share this with somebody you know. Like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, leave us a rating and review. You can email me at theweirdchristianpodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, we'll catch you on the next one.